I'm going to pray for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, give it up for what's happening with youth. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Let's just position our hearts, amen, to receive today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Come on, closer, son. Father, I just uh, lift up Chris right now, God. I thank you for the gift that he is to this local church, to this community. And so, Father, we just thank you now that you would take advantage of his humanity today for your divine purposes. That the Spirit of the Lord would rest upon him heavily, God. And that he would sense that the Spirit of the Lord is with him. Because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, God. So we thank you for the freedom to minister the word of God. And Lord, I cry out for us, the people of God, that we would position ourselves to be hearers and doers of what we hear today. In Christ's name, amen. Praise God. So I'm just so excited to be able to share with you guys today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about something that means a lot to my heart that I'm very passionate about, that I've based my life around, and that's going to be discipleship and the kingdom of God. And I'm going to start when my journey began. Um, you know, when I was in college, I used to take the bus down to Creighton Court to participate in the early morning prayer, and I used to jump on the bus with this man, Joe Capri, right here. And um, he got me introduced to a just amazing community. And really started going after God really hard, right? And um, one day, I remember uh, Joe Capri one night was giving me a ride home. Raise your hand, Joe. And I want you all to see this guy because he's part of the reason I am the man that I am today. He had the spiritual fortitude to have a really hard conversation with me. I remember this night like it was yesterday. We were sitting in a van. And he looked at me and said, bruh, you need to be discipled. I had no idea what he was talking about. I was like, man, I went through discipleship class at First Baptist on View Street in Norfolk, Virginia. I was like, I passed that class. I was a week long. I'm a disciple of Jesus. What are you talking about? <laughs> but he said, no. He said, Chris, you have a lot of zeal. I absolutely know that you love Jesus. But you have to walk with somebody who will hold you accountable to learning what it means to live out biblical principle and apply these things in your everyday life. You need someone to help walk you through what it means to be a mature Christian. And he gave me something that night that I really had to chew on and I had to search the scriptures for. And I had to look at the examples that the Bible gave. And the, the Bible gave an amazing example of what discipleship. That's what Jesus did. That was the Great Commission, to go make disciples. Not only are we supposed to make disciples, we're supposed to be disciples. And so what does that mean for us as Christians? And what I'd like to talk about today is what does that mean for us? What does that look like? What does it mean to be a disciple? What does a disciple do? And how do you make disciples? So because Joe had that conversation with me, I had the privilege of really getting a chance to meet Pastor Don. And he took me under his wing and he started discipling me and my life changed.
from that moment. Not only did he teach me biblical principles and how to practically apply those things, he welcomed me in his home and allowed me to see him and his wife live this stuff out for real. It was just so amazing. I've never seen anything like it before in my life. And so the things that I'm going to give to you guys today is what I've seen for over 20 years of being discipled by Don Coleman. And it's the fruit of this man, Joe Capri, having a really hard conversation with me one day and letting me know that I need to let somebody invest in me. Right? And with the same conviction that Joe spoke to me in that van, I speak to all of you today. Let somebody invest in you. Let somebody invest in you, not just for the purpose of investment, but allow someone to hold you accountable to biblical principle and point you to the person of Jesus Christ. All of us in this community want to make a difference. All of us in this community want to have an impact. The important thing is you have to have a kingdom process to have a kingdom outcome. In discipleship, you have to have a kingdom process for a kingdom outcome. Discipleship is what teaches us that kingdom process. So I look at discipleship in the Bible, right? And I said, what did Jesus do? What is this discipleship process? And I saw what he did with his disciples, and I studied this stuff, right? And, I, and it, it blew my mind because I realized that the world has taken the discipleship process and has gotten great fruit out of it. If we were to apply the discipleship process today, it would look like an apprenticeship. Jesus was with his disciples. He taught them, right? He was with his disciples. They were with him when he did what he did. Then Jesus started allowing them to do what he did with supervision, and they messed up. He corrected them. Then after that, he sent them out to go make disciples. Y'all see those steps? So what does it look like an apprenticeship in the world, naturally? When I went to the Air Force, I was an aircraft mechanic, and I went in as an apprentice. As an apprentice, I sat down. I got the book knowledge. I also watched somebody else do this stuff. Then the next step was me graduating to becoming a journeyman, where I can then be a mechanic on my own with supervision. After a little while, I became a master, where I could then train others and send them out. Y'all get that? That's discipleship. That's discipleship. And I saw it. Plumbers do it. Brick masons do it. So many trades do it. And the people who it was given to, we've kind of lost what discipleship really is. This is the key thing about discipleship, right? Can a plumber make brick masons and train brick masons? Why not? Because plumbers make plumbers, right? Going through the process. Please hear me. Who is Jesus in relation to the kingdom? Say louder. A king. Jesus said, if you will be my disciples. Jesus, so Pastor Don is not teaching me to be a disciple of Pastor Don. He's teaching me to be a disciple of Christ. If a plumber teaches plumbers and Jesus is a king, 
and were his disciples. What is he teaching us to do? Jesus was a king because he rules and reigns. We have to understand the kingdom process to have kingdom outcomes. So, every kingdom has a culture and a way of operating. We've been learning the world's culture and operating procedures since the the day we were born. Discipleship is the process of downloading the kingdom culture and operating procedures in our life. To be able to do what the king of kings did in the earth, we have to position ourselves the same way that the king of kings did. We're supposed to have impact. Listen, as a church, we are supposed to have the answer for a dying world. To have impact like the King of Kings did, we need to go through the process of positioning ourselves the same way that the King of Kings did. That's discipleship. Problem is, a lot of us don't understand what kingdom principles are. And it's hard because we commit ourselves to kingdom work. Because it's hard. When we don't know the process, we get burned out. We get tired. We don't see the outcomes that we're looking for. Things are happening and they're not changing with all of our effort, with all of our might. And then what happens to a lot of us is what happened to me. I look at the Bible and I don't see the same fruit that the disciples had in the Bible in my life. And I had to come to a realization that I had to humble myself to something greater than myself. So, when I first started talking about this stuff, I haven't gotten into the principles. But when I first got a revelation of these things, I remember I started telling all my friends, right? Joe remembers that time. I was like, man, you got to humble yourself. You got to deny yourself and bear your cross. He was like, what does that even mean? And I went to one of my brothers I was like, man, this is the way we're supposed to be living. We're supposed to be discipled in this stuff. And he threw a book at me. He was like, Chris, it doesn't take all that to be a Christian. It doesn't take all that. Salvation is free. Joe remembers that. That's why he's smiling. If I had known what I know today, I would have said, you're absolutely right. Salvation is free. But the kingdom of God costs everything. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 3. By the grace of God, he's given me, and I've laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than that's already laid, which is Jesus Christ. I'm going to stop right there. We have a foundation that's immovable. When we come to Christ, we come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that foundation is laid. That's not shaken. That's solid. Do y'all agree with me? This is why the process is important. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, 
Their work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light, and it will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what's been built survives, the builder will receive reward. And if it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, yet he will be saved, even though only is escaping through the flames. My friends, I don't want to enter into the kingdom only as I'm escaping through the flames. But we know through this process is that what we're willing to give to this process determines our reward. Right? That's what the scripture says. But what we also have to come to see is our submission to this process also applies to what we do on the earth right now and the impact that we make right now. We want to build a structure that other people can come underneath and get shelter. We can't do that building with some of these materials because the first sign of the storms of life coming, it'll knock it down. We got to go after it, guys. We can't have kingdom outcomes without kingdom process. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to look at what the kingdom process actually is. Y'all ready to go on this journey with me? This is what I believe the narrow path. Because just like a sinner is presented with heaven and hell, right? As Christians, we're presented with the world or the kingdom. We still have a choice. So... Luke 9.23 This is the way down a narrow path. And he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must... Whoever wants to be my disciple must... Deny themselves. Take up their cross daily. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever, wants to, whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet lose or forfeit, or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And this is where it's at. Truly I tell you, some of you standing here today will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. That's what we're shooting for. Some people under the sound of my voice will not taste death until you see the manifestation of the kingdom of God in your life. Are there areas in your life that you need to see redeemed? Are there relationships that you need to see redeemed? Is there kingdom fruit that you need to see coming in your life? I believe this stuff, man. I know people think I'm crazy. But I'm I'm gone, man. I'm I'm in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, how do I make this stuff practical? What does it mean to deny myself? What does that even mean? When I first read that scripture, I was like, I don't Okay. <laughs> what is that? But I want to I want you to think about something. I want you to put your finger on something in your heart and I want to ask you a question. What do you identify with? The first thing. 
I know for me it's easy. Oh, great. They only got five minutes. Okay. What do you identify with? I know for me, one thing I identify with is as a black man. Right? One of the things that's important for us when we look at denying ourselves is we have to identify who we are. And if there's anything in what we identify with that we cannot find in the person of Jesus Christ, we need to be willing to deny that for the kingdom. This is the Bible. So why is that important? If I identify myself with a, as a black man, I can't truly fully give into what it means in loving people with the love of God. Because I'm going to be obedient to what I identify myself as. Does that make sense? I'm going to be obedient to that. So if someone threatens or humiliates me or talks about something that's relating to my blackness, I'm obligated to be offended. Right? I have a story to tell you guys. It involves the N-word. But I'm not going to say it. I'm just going to say N-word. Okay? So I own guns. I'm a combat veteran. Used to work in law enforcement. I like to shoot my guns. I'm still working on my soul salvation. So y'all can pray for me. So I go into this gun shop, right? The bell on the door didn't work. Small gun shop. All the workers were in the back. I go around the gun shop, go around the aisle. They couldn't see me even if they came out and wanted to. And I'm in there looking at accessories for my guns. The guys come out all jovial at the counter. Like, hey, talking all the guy talk, right? Hey, man, this is the conversation. Remember that in girl you went to school with? (laughs) And I'm like... Oh, here we go. Here we go. Because they still don't see me because I'm behind. And they don't have a clue. It's like, yeah, man, I remember that girl you went to school with. Man, I know you liked her. You're a lover, aren't you? No, man, I didn't like that girl. Man, you you crazy. I know you liked her, man. You're a mm, lover, aren't you? And at that moment, I was like, they got the wrong person in this store because I'm about to blow their spot up, right? <laughs> And the crazy thing is, I could laugh because my identity is not tied to, I am no longer obligated to what it means to be a black man. I am obligated to what it means to love people because of my identity in Christ. So when I came from behind that aisle, I could have been that guy who gave them a piece of my mind and felt justified in my heart about it, right? And what it will probably do is give them a right to say in their heart, see, that's why we think of him that way, because he's ignorant. But instead, I came out with the love of God. I said, hey, guys, how y'all doing, man? I see y'all are having a good time up here. Y'all having a good day? And they froze. Froze. It was like I saw a ghost. And they could barely speak. It was great, because I was in love, right? So this is the crazy thing. If I was obligated to my blackness, I couldn't have these thought processes. Like, look, I'm pretty sure that both of these guys identified as being Christians also. 
I'm pretty sure both of these guys were good husbands too. I'm pretty sure that both of these guys love their families just like I do. And I'm pretty sure that if there was a fly on your wall in your most shameful moments and you were seen also in that time, I was free to see that because I wasn't obligated to anything but Christ. So I got up to that counter and they saw a reflection of themselves and there was nothing else I had to say to cause conviction. There's nothing else I had to say. The love of God covers a multitude of sin, guys. This is not denying yourself because we just like pain. We deny ourselves out of love for God and love for others. The moment we oppose people, we make an enemy. Now, I can rub some people wrong. This is just my conviction, this next one, right? Because I identify with being a child of God and in Christ, even with these monuments, instead of saying, you're wrong, that's wrong, I can say, you know what? Because I love you, what's important to you is important to me. Would you just have a conversation with me and tell me why this is so important? We're called to love people. Jesus was after people's hearts because there's not one legislation to take down those monuments that's going to change a person's heart. But love does it. How am I looking with time? Am I... Okay. My daughter's telling me to cut it. We didn't even get to uh, bearing your cross, but I'm going to talk about it a little bit because I want to make sure I get to this just a little bit because, like, this is discipleship. We're committing ourselves to biblical practices because we love God and because we love others, but we need people to hold us accountable in doing these things, right? To walk us through everyday life. So, what does it mean to bear your cross? It means to be willing to suffer according to God's will. Because that's what Jesus did. And he didn't just suffer for the sake of suffering. He suffered out of love. And that suffering brought resurrection power. And that suffering brought redemption for the very people who crucified him. How do we treat the very people who crucify us? Bishop Boone, one of my favorite people, used to have this thing called worm training. Psalm 22 uh, was a prophetic psalm about what Jesus experienced on the cross. And in one of those lines, he said, I am not a man, but but I'm a worm. The thing about a worm is if you step on a worm, it gets crushed. If you step on a snake, it bites you. If you walk with me and Pastor Don, you're going to learn real quick that we're cut from a different cloth, that we don't bite back. Because we believe that there's power in pressing in to what it means to be like Christ, to position ourselves like Christ did in conflict. And this is what I realized. When I get stabbed, the only reason why it hurts is because I'm still alive. 
And when we die, we unlock that love for people. We're willing to love people in such a way that the world does not know. How will we have an answer for a dying world if we operate like the dying world? And for the sake of time, I'm just going to go to follow me. What does it mean to follow Jesus? Philippians 2 said, Jesus made himself nothing, took the form of a servant. The king of all kings positioned himself like a servant. In the Greek, that word, there's no difference between servant and slave. It's more palatable to hear servant, though, in some translations for us. He took the lowest position in the earth. Luke twenty two twenty seven says, For who is greater, one who is at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? All of us like to be served, right? But I among you as one who serves. There are those who have stood by me in my trials. Listen to what Jesus says. I confer onto you a kingdom just as my father conferred one onto me. How is Jesus saying position yourself? To be able to receive this kingdom, to be able to walk in rulership and authority, to have impact so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. I just want to challenge you guys with this. If the king of kings positioned himself as a servant, the moment we think that we need to be served in any capacity, we just disqualify ourselves from the spiritual authority that's in Christ. So what does it mean for us to live this stuff out? It took me 14 years in my marriage to get this in my home, to serve my wife well. But if you ask her, I think she'll tell you that I finally got it. That's a testimony. Sad thing is it took me 14 years. What does it mean to practically apply these things? What are your areas of influence? What are your immediate relationships? And what are you directly responsible for? How can you position your, yourself the way that Christ did in just what's in front of you? Because if you're faithful with little, God will make you faithful over much. And I had to learn to position myself as Christ in my household so that I'd have a level of spiritual authority in my household. And this stuff hurts. But that's why we need people to walk us through it like Pastor Don. Like other people that we trust, that we know, they, we know that they know God. And we know that they love us too. So in the same way that Joe Capri sat in the car that one night and had a conversation that changed my life, and said, Chris, you absolutely need to be discipled but into the person of Jesus Christ, learning how to practically apply biblical principles. I say to you today, please, submit yourself to a process 
that will only give you kingdom outcome and kingdom fruit. Thank you. He challenged us that we've traded going to meetings for being disciples. The other part of his message that we desperately need, the Apostle Paul took it to the next level where he said, follow me as I follow Christ. Because some of you here today are thinking, man, you know, I want to I wanna be a disciple, but I don't really see nobody that I want to follow. There are probably people out there saying the same thing. So our challenge is to step our games up. Those of us who say we are followers of Jesus and do what Paul and Jesus did to roll up on people and say follow me as I follow Christ and point people to Jesus not to ourselves so let's respond to the word of God amen let's let's let God speak to us however he does for some of us it may mean coming to this altar For others of us, it may just be in my seat saying, hey, okay, God. Here I am. I'm I'm yours. So, Father, I thank you now for this response time. Use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Pure. 
to what you've heard today. And I also want to say this to, to, to some of my friends today. We're talking about the more mature people. You know, you feel like, you know, like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. You need to be more serious. Don't ever settle that you've arrived. Be honest about that God is wanting more from you. Why? Because he wants it all. So Father, I thank you now that we choose to be disciples of Jesus Christ because of you choosing us first and dying on that tree, being put in that grave, and then coming out so that we can live our lives in a way that demonstrates to others, follow me 
as I follow Christ. Lord, we receive your love today. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for Chris and the word today. Thank you for this wonderful choir, the worship band, all the brother, brothers helping us here, brother on the bass guitar, knocking it out. Oh. Man, so we love you. Come on, my friend from Germany, just a little bit, and y'all will shut it down. Come on, brother. They're going to tell you what to do. They're going to tell you what to do. Come on, Makita, tell them what to do. Tell the brother what to do to close it on Lady! 